The Golf.com podcast is brought to you by the SeatGeek app, the easiest way to find a great deal. Pay for your ticket and get to your seat. Download the SeatGeek app and enter our code GOLFING for $20 off your first purchase. We're also sponsored by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. Enter promo code GOLFING at FanDuel.com for a bonus match of up to $200. Uh, I, I think that, honestly, I was, from the very beginning, uh, when I had never even touched the club, my, I was hoping to be at scratch at, like, about five or 6,000 hours. So, you know, but that, at the time, I didn't. I didn't know anything about golf. I, I, you know, I thought maybe you could get me scratched in like a year or something. Um, uh, but uh, so I think that, you know, potentially I'm a little behind of where I was hoping to be. But at the same time, you know, you just are where you are and have 4,000 hours left to, you know, keep on pushing it and keep on getting better. Greetings and welcome back to another Golf.com podcast where we bring you interviews and insights from the wide world of golf. About five and a half years ago, Dan McLaughlin quit his job as a photographer to answer the kind of provocative question that a foursome of golfers might debate over beers in the grill room. If a novice golfer committed himself to 10,000 hours of serious practice and proper coaching, how good could he become? Could he develop enough game to get to scratch, to play the mini tours, to make the PGA Tour, to win on the PGA Tour? No one knew for sure because no one, as far as we know, had ever committed to such a nutty experiment. In 2012, when Dan was roughly 2,500 hours or a quarter of the way through his so-called Dan plan, I flew out to Portland, Oregon to report a story about his odyssey for Golf Magazine. By that point, Dan had whittled his handicap down to about a 10. He had a reasonable, if not reliable, swing. But what impressed me most about Dan was his work ethic, his energy, and his enthusiasm. Every part of him believed he would reach his 10,000-hour goal, most likely sometime in 2016. Every so often, I'll check in on Dan's progress, which he tracks in meticulous detail on his website, thedanplan.com. A couple of weeks ago, I was disheartened to read a post in which Dan revealed that because of a balky back, along with some financial pressures, he had decided to put his quest on hold, at least for the time being. This didn't sound like the Dan I met three years ago, so I invited him onto the podcast to learn more about his recent woes and also to hear what additional insights he has gleaned since the early days of the Dan Plan. Dan joins me now on the line from Portland. So, Dan, uh, first off, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I have to say, when I read on your blog about your uh, your back woes and and your little hiatus that you're going to take here, I was a little little surprised. Um, back in 2012, when when you and I first met, you you had me convinced that virtually nothing could get in the way of you completing your mission. So, so give us a sense for for where you're at now at about uh, at about the six thousand hour mark. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Um, I agree. You know, there, there's, you always think you're invincible until essentially something happens, and all of a sudden you have to kind of, you know, just figure out a different route. Uh, back in 2012, I, you know, I never had any kind of physical ailment, force-related, and you know, just kind of saw day-to-day and how I pushed through, and then all of a sudden, you know, creeping injuries start coming up, and you get to a certain point where you either have to have surgery or take some time off. And that was basically the very tough decision I had to make in the last couple of months. So you and Tiger Woods share something in common. 
<laughs> yeah, I think Tiger, uh, me, and pretty much anybody who has ever seriously pursued golf. You know, I mean, everybody goes through injuries, and whether it's a wrist or a knee or, uh, you know, the back or, I mean, there's something that sideline the majority of golfers, I think, at some point in their career. How long has how long has the back been been bugging you? It started it started to kind of come out of nowhere in, in mid May, uh, and it was just something that I kept thinking that you know I'd just take a little time off and it would heal, or you know just go and I saw a physical therapist, saw a chiropractor, I saw you know a spinal surgeon. I kept seeing people, and man, the back would feel fine, and then I'd go out and try to you know practice for an hour or play eighteen and I would just have one fat shot or one bad shot and it would just tweak it again. And then I would be out for another three days. So I kind of just kept on trying to push through and kept on trying to push through. And I just couldn't get my distance back and I couldn't, you know, play like two or three rounds in a row, like, you know, back to back days. So, you know, that's when I just started consulting more people and realized that yeah, I basically had two choices, you know, take some time off and, and like completely and let it heal or go and get the MRI and get the surgery. Okay, but you are, for the record, still very much committed to, to getting to the 10,000-hour mark. This is, is just, uh, I know you can't control, obviously, uh, your physical ailments, but, but you foresee this just being a, a brief uh, hiatus. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's the beginning of winter. It's starting to get cold and rainy here, and I, I mean, it's a good time. If there ever is a good time to just kind of take a step back and, and heal, it, this is the right time, so... In my mind, you know, I'm just going to take a handful of months off, and once the uh, spring starts rolling around, and you know, hopefully, knock on wood, with uh, all the PT and everything else I'm doing, that you know, be back to 100%, and just kind of pick it back up exactly where I left off. Are you are you pretty content with the progress that you've made? I think, again, when I visited with you, uh, you were about the 2,500 hour mark, and I think you were about a 10 handicap at that point. Um, I know you've gotten down to low single digits now, three plus years later. Are, are, are you are you happy with the progress? Uh, surprised or, or somewhere in between? Yeah, you know, I was pretty happy with the progress. I think there's a couple things holding me back right before this uh, kind of sidelined me, and it, it was you know it was again with long game. Uh, just but I was starting to actually get it, and I was starting to to really see some results uh basically like right before this happened which happened at the very beginning of the, the summer season uh, but building up to it you know I, i'd kind of gone from i think right around a three or a little under a three and then gone back up to about a five but you know that's just kind of like the, the cycles of the game and i was starting to to tip away and go back down and then this happened so in a sense uh, you know i was pretty happy with the the progress and then disappointed the to, you know, at that point, to have to step back. Well, anyone who's played golf knows that a it's obviously always hard to improve at all. Um, but I think it's it's probably a little bit easier to get from a twenty handicap down to a ten. But then when you get in, trying to get from a ten to a scratch, that's when things get really difficult. I mean, is that is that have you found that to be the case? Yeah, I think getting down to like a six or seven um, was. You know, I, I'd say relatively easy. It's not easy, but when you're doing it kind of full time, it's it's not not as difficult as uh, you would imagine. But then going from that six to to scratch probably takes about four times as much time uh, than going from a you know fifteen to a six. 
and then from the scratch on, it's you know, it's, it's as everybody knows, it's gotten down you know below to pluses. It's it's every every you know stroke is is it can be very difficult to to uh, chip off. Are you are you working with anybody at the time at, at the moment? I know you had a coach um, w- when we met. Um, are you ha- do you have any professional assistance at the moment? You know, I was working with uh, this guy Bruce Furman for about a year, and um, I haven't you know I haven't really taken many lessons lately just just because it's just been hard to swing um but that's another thing that i'm going to do this winter is i'm trying to save up as much money as i can because the funds are kind of getting down a little bit and i figure if i can use this time to also replenish the the you know my savings then i can actually afford to to work with people on a regular basis again yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a question you get a lot, and that was certainly one of the things I was interested in when I when I wrote the story was how, you know, people say, oh, that sounds great. You go out and practice for ten thousand hours, but the obviously the other piece of the puzzle is, well, you got to survive. You got to have some food on your table. Um, how how have you done that? How have you scraped by over over the last uh, four or five years? You know, it's uh, just kind of being frugal and you know renting out some rooms in my house and. Just doing anything I can to kind of limit my expenses. I'd say the one biggest thing though is is just how much golf costs. So that's that's kind of depleted my funds. You know, just being a member of a club and having lessons and you know playing tournaments and, and all that it gets really expensive. So uh, that's yeah, I, I could definitely. It'll be nice to 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 kind of buffer the savings so you kind of reapproach it. Sports fulfill an important tribalistic element of human nature. Surrounded by your fellow fans, draped in your home colors, urging the side forward with one full voice, there's really no other place in our society that conjures these old passions. The next time you head back to the Coliseum to join with your tribe, do it with the SeatGeek app. When you use my code GOLFING, you get a check back for $20. Here's how it works. You download the SeatGeek app on your iPhone or Android. It's free and takes less than a minute to download. Then you search for your event, find a great deal, enter our code GOLFING, and when you complete your purchase, SeatGeek will send a $20 check to your house. It's that easy. SeatGeek pulls in ticket options from hundreds of sellers online and shows you the best deals automatically. When you shop on SeatGeek, you're seeing virtually every ticket option available all on one page. They also have a feature called Deal Score. It ranks every ticket on the market with a value score and plots the best deals on a color-coded map of the venue. Finally, SeatGeek's mobile app makes the ticket buying process seamless, easy, and safe. On SeatGeek, you can store your credit card, and once you find a ticket you want to buy, you can make the purchase with two quick taps of your phone. There's no faster way to buy tickets. So, to redeem your promo code and get your $20 check, simply download the free SeatGeek app today, enter promo code GOLFING in the app. SeatGeek will then send you $20 once you've made your first SeatGeek purchase. I know you were getting getting a few freebies uh two three four years ago i know you had a, a local club in town gave you somewhere to play uh nike was providing you with equipment uh since the novelty of of your experiment has, has started to war, war off a little bit have you have you noticed uh depletion of of uh you know people trying to help you out well yeah i, mean, I had a, a, a i did have a free membership for that club for two years but that was during kind of the rebuilding period for golf and i think that once they their membership filled back up there was no need to have you know some like marketing uh person which i guess was myself uh since then you know i just paid to be a member of a club and 
uh, started working with Titleist just gear-wise, and they, they were really, they've always been great and just, you know, provided all the clubs and things. Uh, but that's that's about it. You know, I haven't really been able to secure any any type of specific sponsorship. A lot of interest always, but I think everybody uh, essentially was just waiting to see what happened. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where when you're successful at the end, everybody will rush in at once. Um, but up until that point, you're kind of on your own. Yeah, I can't imagine. It must be a lonely place. I know like you said, it's sort of like the marathons, a lot of interest at the, at the starting line and at the, uh, at the finish line. And it's those, those lonely miles in between that I imagine are, uh, pretty, pretty difficult for you to, to get through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always the middle of the journey because you're kind of just as close to the, the, the start as you are to the finish. And that's when you step back and you you look at everything you've done and then you realize you basically have exactly that same amount of work ahead of you. I mean, that's, that's when, uh, these, these kind of pursuits can, can become daunting um and i mean that's that's it's really important to just not look at the big picture and just you know kind of take it day by day and you know one thing at a time is that yeah a lot of athletes say that is that i mean to me uh it's one thing to to deal with the physical challenge of what you're doing but the the mental grind i think that's difficult for people to process that you have been at this now um for years you're at 6,000 hours and you're still going out there I know you're on a little break now but more or less day after day uh how how have you how have you done it how have you remained motivated to to get to your goal I don't know you know I just never really looked at it the big you know like the the longevity and thought you know what I had to do down the road and you know next year and next month I mean there's always just kind of fun and exciting to try to learn something and frustrating at the same time and I, just, I have daily goals and just like little things that I wanted to do and just kind of focus on those instead of looking at, you know, like, oh, I'm a five handicap and I need to be at, you know, plus five and, and getting overwhelmed by the idea of, you know, losing, saving up 10 strokes per round. Uh, I, I mean, I think that's the most important thing to do is just to, just to look at what you can do that day. You know, it's kind of a cheesy way of saying or thinking, but it really helps and it really works. Um, and that's just kind of what I've done for, you know, the five years through from when I started until pretty much recently. What's been the, what's been the lowest moment or the hardest moment so far? Uh, I think just the building up to realizing that I had to take time off. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't, I sat down to write a blog three times a week for about six weeks and I never could write it because I just didn't want to accept the fact that I was going to have to take some time off. Um, you know, just the injury and then kind of being sidetracked and then just having it spiral in the wrong direction and not being able to overcome something. Uh, that's, I mean, that's just by far been the most difficult part. You mentioned there's been a lot of interest, um, from, from various media outlets and others from CNN to NPR, psychology today. I mean, all kinds of newspapers and magazines and TV stations I know have checked in with you. Um, are you surprised by how much interest your your story has garnered, or did you, did you sort of expect that? Um, I think it's kind of a mix. It's, it's surprising, and also not that I expected it, but just having a background from a long time ago in journalism, I know that you know there's kind of like buzz topics and things that attract interest, and once you kind of hit one um, outlet, then other people kind of follow along and you know tell the tell the story. 
Um, I, I mean, I am surprised that it kind of went you know, national and international. Um, but at the same time, I mean, if I just look at it uh, as an outsider point of view, it's, 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 it's something of curiosity. I mean, I would be interested in knowing if somebody was going to do that and how far they could go. So, I, you know, I, I just, I think in our culture, we're, we're kind of fascinated by the idea of, um, I guess, not necessarily manifest destiny, but just the ability to t- kind of transform and how far one can go and if talent or, you know, hard work and, you know, which, which trumps the other and, and just what, like how much human potential we all have. Well, I think that, so, I mean, that's a good point. And like beyond golfers and sports fans being interested in your story, you know, psychologists, sociologists, I know have checked in with you. I mean, do, do you feel like a little bit of a lab rat sometimes or People are calling you up, trying to trying to pick your brain, get inside your mind a little bit. Yeah, definitely. It's good though because I mean, everybody everybody I talk to and everybody you know with usually has a, a valid point and you know something of concern and and something that I can learn from too. So I think we're all just kind of sounding boards for each other and just bouncing ideas around. Yeah. So let's let's talk about some specific numbers, which I know you've tracked somewhat meticulously on and off anyway over the years. Like how many. Do you have a sense for how many shots or how many balls you've hit since you started this thing? Oh man, um, you know there was a, there was a time where I kind of had a good idea, yeah. Um, but that was probably two and a half years ago, and I couldn't. I don't even know where to start with thinking about how many balls or how many shots I hit in the two and a half years since then. But I mean, easily over a million. I mean, yeah, without a doubt. It's tough to fact check, so we're gonna let that one go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and you're, I know you, I think you shot 70, right? was your lowest score. Were you, were you, uh, could that have easily been like a 67, 68, or was it, was that the best you could get out of that round? No, that was, yeah, that was one of those, uh, seventies that, uh, yeah, like that at the end of the round, you look back and you're, you're, you just think about how many shots you, you missed, um, which I think is pretty common for all of us, but you know, like I, I was two under and then I three putted the. 15th and 16th hole um and then i uh, birdied the last two to, to shoot the 70 but but the last two were i, I mean they were just easy uh, and the three pipes were probably from like 20 feet i just started getting nervous because i actually started thinking about the score um but uh, yeah i, I think that could have easily been about a 67 68 just with the way i was hitting it that day it was it's funny though you know you hit it so well one day and then next so you go out, you can't even hit a green. So it's just a, it's a really interesting sport. Yeah, well, we all know that feeling very well. What, what, uh, have you had any holes in one? No, well, I'm like a little par three course, but I, I, I don't count that. I think you have to be on a, on a regulation course. Um, I've, I've, you know, we've all gotten really close, and I, yeah, I just haven't, haven't had a chance to actually knock one in yet. Have any, have any tour pros or? golf-loving celebrities reached out to you or sort of helped you in any way or wanted to meet you? Um, I've had, yeah, like back in the day, a couple did. And then, you know, I, I got a chance. I, I got to go down to the AT&T Pebble Beach this year for the pro, the National Pro-Am. Right. And, you know, got to kind of hang out for a little bit with Jordan Spieth and, and walk behind the ropes with uh, Jason Day and Charlie Belgian and, um, you know, talking with them. Uh, they had actually heard of my story. They didn't realize that it was me, but they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard of that, that you know, the ten thousand hour guy or whatever." Um, yeah, but, we've heard know, of that, that nut job. 
What's that? No, I said. I said they said. Well, yeah, we've heard of, We've heard of that nut job. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, not not many uh, professional athletes. Well, there's been some in other sports. Um, like this this guy Daniel Agger, who's a, a soccer player. Um, he's reached out in, in a, a rugby. Um, he was a rugby star in Australia. Uh, Steve Menzies reached out, and we got to play a, a round of golf. Um, so it's been more, I guess, from other sports than, than golf specifically. The NFL regular season is halfway done. In the old days, your chance to play fantasy football was long gone. But now, not only can you join thousands of leagues on FanDuel, they cost just as little as $1 to enter, and you can cash out in the very same night that you win. Use my code GOLFING at FanDuel.com for a bonus match of up to $200. FanDuel is a leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. They will pay out over $75 million a week this football season. Over 1 million players have won money playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. Now it's your turn. If you're watching the games anyway, try out FanDuel. It turns your NFL Sunday into a whole new experience. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use the code GOLFING and sign up now. Here's that special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it with up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200. The offer is only good for the first 50 people that use the code GOLFING today, so don't get left out. FanDuel also offers daily fantasy baseball, basketball, and hockey. Find out why daily fantasy sports have gotten so popular and do it on FanDuel.com with our code GOLFING. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Try it out today. Our friends at the Panoply Network have a new edition, Edge of Sports with Dave Zirin, where sports and politics collide. On the premiere episode, Dave has public enemy frontman Chuck D, who speaks on Muhammad Ali, LeBron James, and his Pilates workout routine. Search for Edge of Sports on iTunes and Stitcher, or visit panoply.fm to find the show. So now that we're at the at the 6,000-hour mark, you've still got, obviously, 4,000 hours ahead of you. Are you you know, how, how would you, I mean, how would you sum up sort of where you're at? Like, where, where would you think you'd been at, would be at this point? Um, and sort of what's just your general kind of mental state? Uh, I, I think that honestly, I was from the very beginning, uh, when I had never even touched a club, my, I was hoping to be at scratch at like about five or 6,000 hours. So, you know, but that at the time I didn't, I didn't know anything about golf. I, I, you know, I thought maybe you could just get to scratch in like a year or something. Um, uh, but uh, so I think that, you know, potentially I'm a little behind of where I was hoping to be. But at the same time, you know, you just are where you are and have 4,000 hours left to, you know, keep on pushing it and keep on getting better. And I think that the mental game will actually taking some time off will be very beneficial just because I, I think in golf it's it's uh, important to kind of get some space. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just kind of thinking that, you know, this is a good time to kind of physically and mentally be set. It's almost like, you know, in, like halftime in a game. Like this is my halftime. So I'm, I'm going back to the locker room, figuring out what I need to do, and then, you know, go back out for the second half. Yeah, I know in the early days you were you were super prescriptive and, and disciplined about how you practiced. Uh, you know, you started – I think just hitting putts, 
three-foot putts, five-foot putts, and worked your way back, just adding uh, another club to the bag every few months. I think it was two years before you actually played around with a full set. Uh, how is your what, what is your practice routine these days? Um, well, so back in uh, I guess April or May, um, like right before this whole thing happened, uh, it it was it was similar. I probably spent more. I, I started to kind of break it up more, and I, I, I was less routine and more random. You know, people are like drawing from a hat and saying, okay, you know, for the next 15 minutes, I, I'm going to do this type of chipping and then, and then, you know, rotating it all and just getting as random as possible. The, the, you know, the longer I did this, the more I realized that you, you like stepping out of a routine is actually beneficial for learning. Yeah, for sure. And then do you, you know, when you get to the mark, where do you think you go from there? I mean, is it going to be tough for you to sort of acclimate back to real life? Uh, or quote unquote real life. I mean, wh- wh- where do you, wh- where do you, where do you see yourself going once once you uh, achieve your goal? Uh, I, yeah, I, uh, honestly, I have no clue. I mean, it's just it's uh, it's just about getting there. Um, you know, just just I yeah, no, I don't really think about what's next or you know what I'll do afterwards. Like I just just kind of focused on 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 the marathon right now. Yeah. And do you ever do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and say, "Oh my God, what am I doing?" <laughs> not not because of the golf journey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but there's no. I mean, you, there's no regrets. You're you're happy that you that you uh, you undertook this this huge task. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's been in so many ways. It's been uh, transformative. It's you know it's. It's taught me a lot about life. It's opened up a lot of doors, and you know, I met a lot of people through this journey, and I've learned a ton. And I just think, and all in all, it's just made me a better person. Yeah, I think it's you know uh, an interesting question, which I know we talked about, but um, you could tell our our listeners why why did you choose golf um, from the get go? I mean, there are a lot of lot of pursuits you could have chosen. Why golf? Golf was kind of random. I mean, one of the main things when I was looking at different things to do, different pursuits, uh, was I, I I wanted something that I had zero experience in, and you know, because I didn't want to do something that I you know learned as a child. Because then potentially, if you get really good and you are successful in it, then people can say, well, that's just because you know you you had a tennis racket in your hand when you're three years old. Uh, so I had no exposure to golf, and then I wanted to do something that was part physical and part mental. And uh, I was also interested in the idea that there's no archetypes in golf. You know, you don't have to be like six foot five or five foot nine. I mean, and, and there's just all different shapes and sizes. And there's also less of a uh, age limit. You know, there's people are successful in this sport, uh, you know, all the way up to you know, late 40s, 50s. I mean, Tom Watson a handful of years ago, the British is 59, almost won it. So. I mean, all those things combined, and it just seemed like the perfect pursuit. Uh, and and at the time, I had no clue how hard it was, <laughs> so it was it was it was perfect in every way. Do you think you'll, when you hit the mark, whatever? Well, I guess first off, when when do you? What year do you expect to finish? Now, any any guess? Um, I mean, I think it'll probably take about three and a half hours to finish the last four thousand hours. So if I start up again, three in and a half years. Then, yeah, no, that's yeah. yeah, three and a half years for the four thousand hours. Uh, so if I start back up in March, I mean, we're talking two thousand nineteen now. So it's definitely a stretch. 
which makes sense because, you know, in all the kind of research and everything, the, the quote unquote 10,000 hours is typically done over a 10 year period. Uh, so I think that there's probably a lot of reasons why that is. Do you think you'll continue to play golf at that point? Or are you going to be like, never want to see a golf club again? <laughs> That's hard to say. I mean, I, I miss it. And, you know, I like, I still, I, you know, I, I want to go play like right now, you know, in some ways it's nice to just have a break, but then every day I like, if it's the sun's out or, you know, it's just, you get, you've got, you see that green in the grass in your yard and you're like, Oh man, I, I just, I just got to go out to the course. So I think that it's going to be a life pursuit. Um, and it's just, it's just such a great game. For sure. Do, do you, um, but I, I think maybe we'll close on this, but, uh, you know, for the guy out there who's, whether he's trying to get from, you know, 20 to 15 or get from a 10 to a 7, like what, what advice do you give to the guy who obviously doesn't have 10,000 hours to commit to getting better, but any, any little, um, you know, morsel of wisdom you could offer um, our listeners for, who are trying to, trying to improve at golf? Yeah, I think one of the main things is that most, most of the time, uh, people aren't willing to change because, you know, they, they get down to like a 10 or 12 or a 15 or 20. Um, and you have to make like pretty significant changes in order to, to cross that next level. And so it's just, a, you know, find somebody you trust or, I mean, it could be a coach. It could be a friend who's like a, you know, really low handicap or it could be somebody on YouTube or whatever. Just find somebody you trust and, and, you know, stick with it. You know, you're going to get worse before you get better. So just be willing to go out there and try something new and, kind of make a fool out of yourself for a little bit and then you know once it kind of ingrains and sets in and that's when you'll start to see um the real changes right well that's that's great advice and i know as journalists we're supposed to remain objective and not not root for uh the subjects we cover but i've i've definitely been pulling for you over the years and uh I really hope you get to the mark because it's going to be a pretty amazing achievement. Yeah, I appreciate it. You, you have to come back out to Portland at some point. We have, we have, a, we'll have to have a rematch. No doubt. Well, you, I know you beat me by a few strokes, and uh, if we play again, you're going to beat me by about 20 strokes. So, uh, <laughs> But I, I will definitely look you up. I look forward to that. That'd be great. All right, Dan. Thanks a lot. Thanks for tuning in to the Golf.com podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or at si.com slash podcasts. Please tweet me at at Alan underscore Bastable or my co-host Alan Shipnick at at Alan Shipnick to let us know what you think of the show and to suggest any guests you might like to hear on upcoming episodes. For Alan Shipnick and our talented producer, Elizabeth Newman, I'm Alan Bastable. Thanks for listening to the Golf.com podcast. <laughs>